0: Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by The Cow Lot, where cowboys and cowgirls shop for hats. The Cow Lot has a history of service, quality, honesty, and integrity. Continuing the Western way of life, how you wear it, and how to preserve it, you're guaranteed to get your hat fitted and shaped exactly how you want it. I'm very picky when it comes to my hats, and the owner, Glenn, and his crew have never let me down. So head over to thecowlot.com, order yourself a new lid, and tell them Dan at the Modern Cowboy Podcast sent you. And remember... You can tell by looking, it came from the cow lot. Today's episode is also being brought to you by Canyon Coolers. Canyon Coolers sells ridiculously cold, seriously tough, roto-molded coolers. With long-lasting ice retention and innovative designs, your next and last cooler should be a Canyon Cooler. You may be surprised to find out that Canyon Coolers held ice significantly longer than a Yeti Tundra in a 5-day ice challenge. Jason Costello, the CEO of Canyon Coolers, describes himself as an ice retention expert, and that is what Canyon Coolers delivers ice retention. As I just stated, Canyon Coolers held ice significantly longer than the Yeti Tundra in a five-day ice challenge. Canyon Coolers sells two series, the Pro Series, which is their flagship, and the Outfitter Series, which is their classic original design. Sizes range from 22 quarts to 150 quarts. Canyon Coolers are headquartered in Flagstaff, Arizona, and are constructed of USA-made materials and offer a lifetime warranty. Modern Cowboy podcast listeners can receive a 10% discount using the code MODERNCOWBOY at checkout when completing your order at CanyonCoolers.com. So head over to CanyonCoolers.com, order yourself a new cooler, and tell him Dan at the Modern Cowboy podcast sent you. Today's episode of the podcast is also being sponsored by It's Jerky. There's no food more cowboy than jerky. I've been a fan of jerky since I was, oh gosh, as long as I can remember. But I was on a recent trip. Actually, I was out and uh, stayed with Cody Cowden for about a week. I was leaving his place, driving back to Arizona, and I, I wanted to get something to eat. And something, I wanted to eat something good, though, just a, a good snack. And I didn't want to have fast food, so I, I actually pulled into the Flying J to get fuel. Thought well, they might have something here. So, I, and I, I thought, man, if I get some beef jerky, that'd be great. But most of the time, beef jerkies are just overprocessed and uh, full of all kinds of chemicals. So, I actually went in there and was perusing the aisles, and I came across this this jerky called It's Jerky. And I looked at it. I read the package, and I was surprised that the price was uh, was so good. It was a pound of jerky for like twenty dollars. Anyway, I ended up buying it jerky was amazing i absolutely loved it and now here they are sponsoring the show so uh big shout out to them and big thanks for for their sponsorship and i would just uh highly recommend you head over to itsjerky.com order yourself some of this amazing high protein low calorie fuel for your body tell them dan at the modern cowboy podcast sent you where are you cowboys and cowgirls at Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the Modern cowboy.
1: of the desert and riders on the wind I got a restless spirit burning deep inside of me I ain't got much but I'm free I've always been one to do it my own way I'm making my living between the saddle and the stage I don't know nobody nothing everything I got's my own some say I'm just a man to the bone. I'm a cowboy sign. Yes I was born to rope and ride. I'm a cowboy. That's my brain. I feel the day I die.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Uh Excited to have my guest on today. I, uh, I met Zach. Well, I never really met him in person, but I I've met him through, and he may correct me if I'm wrong here, through a contest we ran on, I think, Instagram with our Cowboy Whey Protein. And I believe he was one of the winners. I think that was the first time I met him. And then, uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but we have a, a mutual friend, uh, Randy Reedinger. He's been a friend of mine for over 30 years, and uh, I've had him on the podcast. And, and I didn't know it at the time either that, uh, that Zach was also a, an equine dentist. So, so we've got connections uh, through several different things. But, uh, you know, I've been, I've been following Zach on social media. The, the other thing, too, that's very impressive about Zach, too, is number one, he, he does the, the one sport that I always wanted to do that never, I never did, and that's rope calves. Because to me, that's the coolest sport in rodeo. And then the other thing is the guy is a, just an athlete. He's just fit as a fiddle, and I've been into fitness all my life. I saw one of the lifts he did because he does CrossFit, and that that's something that wasn't around like back in the day when when I first started training. Although it's it's I mean it's super interesting. It's just something that I, I really don't know I could do a lot of the stuff now just because of uh, some of the joint problems and things I've had. But anyway, I've I've seen some impressive lifts that that Zach's done. Quite the quite the stud. So anyway, there's a, a lot of things he does that I'm super interested in, and. uh Um, So I just thought it would be great to have him on the podcast, and I'm sure we're going to get into a a few other subjects uh, with current events uh, as well, as we're on the podcast here, and he's wearing his amazing Trump 2020 hat. Yeah, and he posted a picture the other day, too, uh, that T-shirt with the Trump 2020 shirt with Trump uh, uh, steer wrestling. It it was pretty cool. So anyway, without any further ado, hey, Zach, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast.
2: Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you having me on. Um, Love your show. It's awesome. Uh, it's good for all those long drives. I, I go on doing dentistry and stuff. So thank you. Appreciate it.
0: You bet. You bet. Now, um, the other thing too, is you live in, in an awesome place. Matter of fact, we almost, we, we wanted to move there for a long time to Nevada. That's where you live. Now you live outside of Reno, correct?
2: Yeah, we live, uh, north of Reno, about 30 miles, um, out in a little area called Palomino Valley. It's just right before you get to the Pyramid Lake Indian reservation. So good spot. Uh, a lot of, a lot of places to ride and run cows. So, um, a little bit better than the city life, a lot better than the city life for living close to town. So.
0: Yeah. And that was actually one of the specific areas that, that we wanted to move to. We, uh, my wife had, and, and I had some properties up there out of Fernley for, for a while. And we had uh, a small piece of property over there in, um, Silver Springs too, that we ended up selling to the, uh, the fire department bought it. But, uh, Anyway, we ended up coming to Arizona instead, but still love love that area. How, and how long have you lived there? Did you grow up there?
2: Yeah, uh, I was born and raised in Reno. Um, pretty much ever since my, let's say, be my uh, grandpa's grandparents moved all the way to Fallon, Nevada, from Italy back in like the late 1800s. So our family's pretty much been around the Reno area for quite a while now.
0: No kidding. So now are you are you Italian?
2: Uh I'm not full Italian. Um I'm like I think my mom's about half Italian, I'm a quarter Italian, so I'm I'm a little too white to be that full Italian, but uh no, yeah, I mean love the Italian food and wine and everything, but
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you well, you look like an Irish Italian maybe.
2: Yeah, so,
1: yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so anyway, so, um, so you did grow up there and then obviously, uh, you know, did you high school rodeo? I mean, obviously you must've, cause you rope calves.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I started off junior rodeo and then going to Jim cannas and stuff like that. And then, uh, it kind of progressed from there. And, and as I got older, started jackpot roping and then I high school rodeo, um, I did college rodeo for a semester for Lassen community college, um, And I kind of took a little bit of a break between high school and college. That's when I went down to Texas and lived down in Texas and went to Randy Rittinger's uh, equine dentistry school. But then uh, after college, I went to AMI rodeos, all the California uh, Cowboys pro rodeo association rodeos. And then uh, just kind of did some PRCA rodeos here and there and um, was going to get back into it this year uh, just because through weightlifting and everything, it really helped my my ground work out a lot. I gained a lot of weight, um, and I was ready to kind of get back into it and go again. And then, of course, COVID hit, and pretty much just been roping and tying at home.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I'm, I'm trying to go maybe two ways here because you said COVID hit at the same time, and, and I don't I don't want to get into that yet, but but we will get into it. Are are you gonna are you gonna crack out though again? I mean, is that a goal to like make the finals or something in cap roping, or what's
2: Yeah. I mean, when I was younger, I wanted to, um, I wanted to pro rodeo full time and try and make the finals in the calf are open. And then, I mean, you kind of know how life goes. It seems like you got your, your, your eyes are kind of set on one thing, but then you hit a fork in the road or, or something happens and it kind of takes you another direction. And um, when I started equine dentistry, I thought, oh, this is cool. I can have a career that allows me to uh, rodeo professionally, but also make money at the same time. Cause we all know that pro rodeo is not, you know, unless you're like at the top, top, you're not making a ton of money.
0: Right. Um,
2: So I figured it was something I could take and travel around with. And then um, it kind of, it got busier and busier. And I kind of started to realize that if you want to be the best at something like equine dentistry, you kind of have to put a lot of focus into that. So, kind of wearing that two hats of pro rodeo and full-time and being a really good equine dentist, I kind of had to focus on one or the other and it was equine dentistry. And so my goals now are more just, I'd like to circuit rodeo, make the circuit finals. Um And it, I mean, maybe later on down the road, if there is a point where I could pro rodeo a little bit more and go to some bigger rodeos, then, I mean, the finals is definitely not, not out of there. I mean, that's always been a childhood dream of mine to make the NFR. So
0: right now, now do you mostly you mostly just calf rope you don't you don't team rope at all
2: i i used to team rope a bunch actually um i team roped a bunch up until about four or five years ago mm-hmm. and then i sold my head horse uh, two head horses that i had and kind of just focused on calf roping um made a calf horse uh, went to a bunch of rodeos to try and season him um and just really focused on my tying, my groundwork, stuff like that. And, uh, now I'm kind of getting to the point where I kind of want to do both again. And, and I'd like to be able to maybe head at some of these rodeos. So, uh, I'm back in the market for a head horse here, probably this fall.
0: Nice. Now, when did you, when did you go to Randy school down there in Texas?
2: Uh, I started at Randy school in 2011. It was like February of 2011. Um, I lived down there for about nine months while I went to school, finished up about, Three quarters of it, and then had some roommate issues, and I ended up having to move back home. It ended up being a blessing in disguise, and it worked out. And then I graduated from his school in 2012.
0: Okay, yeah. So you've been doing it a while then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and obviously you you are good at what you do because. Uh, I mean Randy spoke very highly of you and I, I highly of you and I know that you are one of the very few guys that he's turned uh, some work over to as well so you you must be doing a good job and I I I got to hang out with him when he was here in Arizona I got to hold some horses for him for a couple of days which uh was quite an experience and even even though I'd been aware of you know equine dentistry and and uh you know, the importance of it. I mean, you know, I'm, I was in healthcare, I'm, you know, a chiropractor, and so I understand uh, about taking care of your health, but I, I really didn't realize how significant it was and how hard of a job it is when you do it right. And that's the one thing that he kept all day when we were working on horses was, well, he was working on them. I was holding them, but uh, uh, he, he was just, uh, he was such a stickler for, you know, doing a complete thorough job. I mean, he he would not skimp one bit. And, and I mean, every time he'd, put that uh, deal in their mouth, you know, and we'd get it done, and I'm holding it or whatever, and then uh, he'd look at it and take it off, and he'd check their bite, and he's like, oh, we got to put it in. And I'm like, oh, man, please, just have that thing done, you know what I mean? But uh, anyway, um, so, yeah, it's a very, very, very uh, important. Like, like, like he said, he goes, it's one of the most legit uh, therapies for horses that there is because there's there's a lot of things you know that uh, you know hanging crystals over people and and you know doing uh, whatever kind of therapies that may you may not really see the exact result right there but boy you can sure tell the difference when you go in there and whatever you're doing in terms of you know correcting that bite and when it when he explained it to me about just the the bit seats and and all that um it was really 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 interesting and uh not an easy job to do is particularly when you're doing it right. Oh, for sure.
2: Yeah. Um, that's, uh, one of the things I really loved about working with Randy and, and as I've become, I mean, he's, be, he's gone from kind of being like my teacher in school to now. He's a really good friend and uh, a mentor. Like I really look up to him, but, um, for as long as he's done it and as he does, he will, I mean, if he's, like you said, if he's got to stick the speculum back in there 10 times to get yeah, just that one spot or whatever that might cause a problem um, or is going to be an issue, like he will take the time to do it. It doesn't matter. And that's something I value a lot in him is just his integrity and his hard work and his passion. And uh, I mean, it's, that's, I put the same effort into my dentistry. I mean, the last thing I want to do is he's, put so much trust into me and everything and all the stuff that he showed me. And the last thing I want to do is let him down. So, I mean, I'm the same way I want to, when that horse leaves my stall, I want to make sure that I did everything I could to make that horse's mouth better than what it was when it first walked in.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and the thing is, I know that early on, like I said, I've known Randy, you know, 30 something years and, and early on when he was getting the school going, uh, you know, he got the pushback from the, from the, uh, vet organizations and stuff and and i'm i'm well aware of all that because i we dealt with it you know with chiropractic you know alternative therapies and and so on and so forth but nowadays it's a different ball game than it was back then particularly with social media because it's easy to uh, you know to ferret things out you know you can google and and find stuff out and in a lot of professions aren't aren't held in these in, in such esteem just because people aren't aware or don't understand or don't know. I think you you're have you done a little bit of campaigning in terms of opening up more doors for uh, equine dentists to be able to to work in states and and uh, um, just having it more and more accepted. And and before before you answer that too, I I, I say that because we were at Bobby Avalos' place and people know that Bob Aviles I mean is one of the greatest horse trainers there is and. Uh you know here's a guy that uh you know randy's been doing his horses for a long time and he he was telling me too that the first time that he they, that randy did a horse from i don't remember the exact story but that being said it was just like miraculous and and ever since then he they've you know they just have always had their horses done and it makes such a huge difference and you know so just speak to that a little bit about you know the the acceptance of it um and and you know what that looks like and what you see in the the future for that
2: yeah so i mean basically you you kind of summed it up that right now with equine dentistry and everything a couple decades ago there we were working with hand tools and stuff like that and so it was really hard on your shoulders really hard on your body and the veterinary field they they kind of just turned their back on it they didn't care they, they'd rather have the dentist do it just because it was a lot of hard work um as we've progressed through time and equine dentists, like Randy, who have come up with newer techniques, um, better equipment. Uh, it's, e- it's easier on your body. I mean, it's still hard work, but it's easier on your body. You're not wearing your shoulders out. Um, the instruments fit better in the mouth. You're able to do a better job. As we started coming out with these instruments and these techniques, veterinarians started to kind of want to pull that back into their practice again is like hey we we want to do this because it's getting easier now you know it's more money in their pocket um so as that's happened over the years a lot of states have changed their laws to where like in Nevada um a couple years ago it was a felony to actually work on horses in the state of Nevada if you weren't a licensed veterinarian um which is just it's so unfair because they're just completely cutting out a whole section of people who are specialized in, and have, it's been passed down from one guy to the next and made better and made better, and made, better made better. Just like how farriers have worked for hundreds right. of years. Right. And, um, so anyways, yeah, there's a huge, uh, oversight and, um, some of it has to do, I, I believe with, you know, they put so much money into vet school and then they come out and they're making less money than what your average Equine dentist makes starting off. So right. they're just trying to get every little bit of work they can. And I can't say I don't blame them. Right. But, right. But the way they regulate it, it's unfair. So that's kind of how I got started in the legislative stuff. Is um, I moved back to Nevada. Um, it's actually funny. I was I was at Randy's school and he asked where everybody was from and I, I raised my hand. I was like, Oh, I'm from Nevada. And he goes, Uh you know that you could go to jail for doing it there, right? And I was like, uh, no. And he goes, well, yeah, it's a felony there. And I'm like, great. How am I going to navigate this? But I fell in love with it and I just kept with it. When I moved back to Nevada, um, didn't tell me if I'm getting too long winded here. No, you're fine. uh, I moved back to Nevada and, uh, started working here. Um, and everything was going great. And then I had, um, I was flagging a bunch of high school rodeos and I had a guy who did not like the call that I made for his daughter and the team roping. I was doing his horses at the time and he um, went ahead and turned me into the vet board for doing dentistry (laughs) and scared me to death. Um, I thought I was going to jail. Uh, I cooperated with him and everything. I ended up paying a fine, but I pretty much ceased all dentistry in Nevada. And that's kind of where my legislative journey began um tried several times to get a bill put into the state legislature failed each time and then um i kind of got more and more experience with it and then i joined the international association of equine dentistry um and another good friend of mine who's also a mentor was the president of the association at the time and he said uh, hey we got a position for you that you would fill perfectly and it was uh, chairman of the government relations committee and um once I got involved with that, I started to work closely with the lobbyists that we had for our association. Um and then we went ahead and we actually got a bill passed in Utah last year that allows equine dentists to work there if they have a certification through the IAD. Um and we actually got the Nevada bill made it halfway through, passed the Senate almost unanimously, uh twenty to one, and then it got to the assembly side and politics of course got involved and mm-hmm. it got shut down on that side. But um, it's from there, I've just kind of like, I don't know, I it, 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 I enjoy it. I enjoy it almost as much as I do dentistry. So right. uh, now it's taken me to other states. Um, I went in February and I testified in Indianapolis there. Um, and of course, I do it all, you know, as a representative of our association. So right. Just trying to be a voice for horse owners and equine dentists. Because if, if we don't stand up and try and stop some of this stuff now, the, eventually our profession could just kind of go to the wayside.
0: It's, it's very interesting. But the one thing I wanted to say too, when you talked about the tools and advancements, that's the one thing I w- just was so amazed at when uh, when Randy you know laid out all of his tools. There is so many of them. So many different ones, and then just the care that he took with them. I mean, the the you know sterilizing them, cleaning them, and just the whole deal. I mean, just laying the tools out and putting the tools away is that's a day's work for me. But uh, anyway, very very impressive. And and uh, so, what what is it now in, Arizona, in in Nevada? Is it legal there now? Or
2: so, um, uh, a colleague and friend of mine, we had met with the vet board for several years, like three or four years up leading up to last year's legislative session. And they changed it. Like I can get licensed here now, but they've put so much red tape on it. Um, I have to have direct supervision from a veterinarian and they have to be standing behind me, watching me perform the dentistry. And then they're required to check it before and after. Um, and then I'm also supposed to follow up with them 48 hours after the procedure and submit a progress report to them. And at any time the vet board can audit these veterinarians for these progress reports. If I don't submit one, boom, license is gone. Uh, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's there's so much red tape on it. They up the fine too. The fine used to be two thousand dollars per count. Now it's ten thousand. Oh my god. It's down to a misdemeanor, but now it's yeah. ten thousand. Yeah. And they've just put so much red tape on it, like I can't there's I still have yet to find a veterinarian that will sign the affidavit saying that they'll be my supervising veterinarian.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I pretty much have to focus on just working in California and Oregon still.
0: Yeah. Crazy. So. Well, it's, it's, it's an evolution. I mean, you know, they used to, they used to throw chiropractors in prison back in the day. They throw them in jail all the time. So, um, you know, we get, that's a, that's a whole nother podcast and, and I'd, I'm not going to be more than happy to get into it one day because I have extensive, uh, experience in the healthcare arena uh, and sometimes people go, well, you know, you're just a chiropractor. Well, uh, I read something the other day. You know, you can have a degree and still be an idiot. And there's there's uh, you know a lot of doctors that uh, that I've had dealings with over the years, and just just the experiences that just it boggles your mind. So you always got to fight for what's right, and and uh, you know, and and I commend you for doing that, man. And uh, who knows, we may we may see you in the uh, uh, halls of uh, our. Uh, Legislative administration here. Yeah, one of these days, for, for sure, for sure.
2: Everyone keeps saying you need to run for governor, but <laughs> yeah, know. well,
0: yeah, you probably yeah. Especially in Nevada, you need you yeah. need help turn some of that stuff around, huh?
2: Yeah, big time. Big
0: yeah, time. yeah. So hey, let's talk about fitness. You know, I mean, I I got involved in in fitness and weight training and when I was you know 19 years old, and I mean it it changed my entire life. Uh, you know, I really, I mean, I learned how to that's the first time I really learned how to set goals and, 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 uh, you know, achieve things. And, and it just, uh, to this day, you know, I mean, I still train and, and, uh, I love it. So how, how did, how did you get involved, um, in, in fitness? I mean, obviously, you know, you're open calves. I mean, <laughs> that's one thing right there, but the CrossFit, you know, how did you get involved in the CrossFit?
2: So it's funny cause I was, I was always a little bit curious about CrossFit. I mean, I worked out at the house and stuff like that. And, um, I actually love, it's going to sound weird, but I love stacking and hauling hay. It's just, Mm -hmm. I think it's a great workout. And I mean, I'll even time myself and stuff like that. But um, (laughs) uh, my brother started going to a a gym here locally um, and he was boxing and he lost a ton of weight. And um, I was kind of going through a little bit of a rough patch. I just broke up with a girl I was with for four years and put my dog down, like, just like a country song, I swear. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> my, do- I went and talked to my doctor. I was like, I just feel like I'm in a slump. And he said, well, you need something that will produce natural serotonin. So he said, try a gym or something like that. And then that's when my brother was like, hey, they have CrossFit. Come check it out. So I went, did CrossFit. Um, I actually ended up overdoing it the very first day I went because I did a boxing class and a CrossFit class. And <laughs> Cause it's I was going into rap later that day, but, uh, um, <laughs> I stayed with it. I just, I don't know what it was that hooked me at, uh, about it. Maybe just the way the workouts are set up or whatever. But, um, I started it about, see, it's been three years ago, this November. So okay. that's when I started CrossFit, but yeah, it just kind of, um, it fell in with wanting to get stronger for calf roping. And, um, I think it was just, that and in the friendship and everything else i got out of it kind of kept me hooked with it too but um so that's where it
0: started well it, it's funny it doesn't surprise me that you you overdid it the first day uh, yeah y- yeah I've, i i have that same problem myself a lot of times my wife always tells me you know you're going to overdo it and uh, you're a very driven guy so i i, I could see that happening easily that's like the first time I worked out. I'll never forget it. Uh, my, I went with this guy. I'd never, I'd never trained with weights before. He was a guy I knew from high school. We went and worked out, and we went to this place called um, International Health and Fitness Spa. And we worked out, and I remember I went in the uh, locker room afterwards and just puked and was like, man, I love this. I mean, I was sick as a dog, but I was hooked from, from then on. But um, – So now, um, so you gained a lot of weight. I mean, uh, tell us about the the program. How often, how often do you train, you know, CrossFit and, and just kind of give us a typical routine and, uh, you know, what you do in it.
2: Yeah. So, um, when I first started there, it kind of just, we would go in the morning and I mean, it kind of started off like every other day, something like that. Just, trying to get used to the volume and the load of everything. Um, mm-hmm. Cause it is a lot. And I mean, a, a lot of people end up getting hurt because they overdo it in the beginning. Right. Um, but when I first started there, um, I started at about 142 pounds. And then as I got, I got to where, cause there's a lot of gymnastic movements and stuff like that. And, and what I love about CrossFit, a lot of people don't understand is, you can really see a lot of results pretty quickly and it gets you, that's what, I guess that's what gets you addicted. Cause you Mm -hmm. start seeing, you're like, Oh, you know, I couldn't power clean a hundred pounds last week, but now I can do it easily and I can do it 30 times in a row or whatever. Right. Uh, Or just like, uh, ring muscle ups and stuff like that. And, um, anyways, I started about 142 pounds and as I started to get more and more kind of addicted to like, all right, the next thing I want to do is I want to be able to handstand walk. And then I would just work on handstand walks. And then the next thing I want to be able to do, I want to be able to power clean 135, no problem. And then once I'd accomplished that, so I just kind of kept setting goals. And then, um, as I got more and more goals, I started going, I, we would go, me and my brother go about five, six times a week, as long as mm-hmm. I'm not traveling. I mean, we would go every single morning. Right. Um, uh, So now just depending on travel and whatnot, I try to get in there at least every other day. Um, uh, if I can, um, sometimes when I'm going out to do dentistry and stuff like that, I'll bring a little weight vest with me and, and run and stuff like that. But, um, I hit finally hit 162 pounds the other day. So in over the course of almost three years, I put on 20 pounds doing it and, um, it's really helped with my confidence in calf roping because now like I got a set of calves at home. And if I got one, that's a little bit bigger kind of waspy on the end of the rope, I can just run right down and hit him and, and flank him no problem with all the confidence in the world. So, um, but I mean, as far as like routines or anything like that, I have such an active lifestyle between floating horses, shoeing horses. Um, and then we help friends deliver cabinets. Um, I mean, that's a workout in itself.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, so I just, I try to make it a point to get into the gym at least three times a week. And then weeks when I'm home and I'm doing like, I get in there five, six times a week. Right. And um, just eat as much as I can, pretty much. I mean, I got a really fast metabolism, so I try right. to eat healthy. That's one of the, been one of the great things about CrossFit is I started to realize just kind of like soda and sugary snacks and stuff like that. I did not realize the havoc it wreaked on your body. It doesn't matter if you have a fast metabolism or not. I would, I would drink a full Dr. Pepper the day before a CrossFit workout. And then I would go in there and I'm like, what in the heck is going on? I'm dying Mm -hmm. and I'm not that out of shape. So, um, I mean, I've virtually cut Dr. Pepper and all that stuff. I mean, I'll have one every now and then, but yeah, Um, I try to stay fairly healthy eating wise and, and watching the stuff that I drink and, um, it just makes the workouts that I have more energy. I'm, um, more recovered the next day. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sugar is a poison. I mean, it really is. And it's, and it's in so many processed foods. I don't drink soda at all now. I don't know. Are you familiar with Zevia? Uh,
2: Yes. I love Zevia. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I love Zevia too. And there's no sugar in that. And it's, it's a great, great substitute, um, for that. So now in terms of eating, you got fast metabolism, you're young still. So you, you, uh, you don't do any fasting or any, uh, type of diet like keto or paleo or anything like that, or are you just?
2: No. Um, I pretty much, um, I kind of set a goal like last year. Um, I was at about 150, 152, and I was like, I really want to get up to 160. And then I'd hit 160. And I was like, I want to, I just kind of kept chunking out at five pound increments. And right. Um, I had talked to uh, the main coach there at the gym and stuff and just asked him, like, hey, what can I do? What's like for my body type and, and my style and everything? Like, what is the best option? Um, and he pretty much told me, he's like, you don't have to get fancy or anything. He's like, just do what works for you. Um, my, I, I did a calculation deal on the internet for body weight and everything. And it tells me how many carbs I have, to, I have to eat, like 440 grams of carbs a day, um, 170 grams of protein. Um, and basically he just said, you know, high carbs, especially for CrossFit workouts because it's, it's high intensity. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're pretty close to your max heart rate for most of the workout on a lot of them. Um, you know, you're moving heavyweight and your heart, you're doing cardio with it. Um, so I kind of just focus on, I try to get all my protein in, in the day, you know, whether it's chicken, um, a lot of scrambled eggs. Um, I eat a ton of rice. Like I almost can't even look at rice anymore, but uh, <laughs> I eat a ton of rice, oatmeal, um, So anything high in carbs, high in protein, I don't really stick to any kind of like, I don't do keto or anything like that. I just, I've kind of figured out a formula that works for me and it seems to keep working. Um, And I do, I'll do like a mass gainer shake um, once in the morning and once at night. And it's got like 280 grams of carbs in it or something. So, right. So I just I kind of just keep shoveling food in all day. It's all healthy food. It's nothing bad, you know, right. bars and jerky and stuff like that. But
0: right. very yeah, cool. There's
2: no I don't have any special science to it or anything.
0: Very cool. So now, have you competed in some of the CrossFit competitions, or is that a goal? Or
2: yeah, no, actually, um, that's the second year I was at that gym. That's what this shirt is. New kids in the box. Oh, okay. Um, that that was my very first competition I ever did. Um, and I did that first one and then I kind of got hooked to it because at the time I wasn't rodeoing a whole lot just here and there. And, and I don't know, I just, I have a love for competition and kind of being in the spotlight out there in the middle of everybody. And, uh, it kind of took on a whole new deal in itself. Like I, I got really addicted to the competition (laughs) thing. I was doing one after another and, um, so, yeah, I've been doing those. I actually figured maybe one day uh, when you turn 35, you can do master the master's division at the CrossFit Games. Right. And I figured, you know, if I kept up with it, um, I don't know if you know who Sean Sweeney is. Um, mm-hmm. I high school rodeoed with him. They call him the CrossFit Cowboy. Uh, he's been to the CrossFit Games several times now. Um, but I was talking to him about doing masters and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, yeah, dude, he's like just – work real hard for the next five years, gain some weight, lift heavy. And, and, uh, he said, you can qualify for the, the masters at the CrossFit games. And I thought that would be something that would be kind of fun, you know, later yeah. down the road. So I think if I, if I keep up with it and, and stay healthy, that's definitely something I'd want to do. But yeah, I do a lot of, uh, local competitions around here, um, just for fun. And, um, you know, unfortunately, they're kind of done right now but when they start back up again we've got several guys at the gym that we usually do like team competitions together and stuff like that so
0: very cool yeah i, I actually just looked him up i've i've had I'd, I'd never heard of him but i i would him now yeah
2: yeah he's, he's awesome awesome guy
0: i just followed him on instagram there you go now did he uh was did he rodeo and stuff before or is he a cowboy or did yeah just no, he
2: grew up right there in fallon uh oh he did Okay. Yep. Yeah. grew up in Fallon and shoot. I high school, junior rodeoed with him, high school rodeoed with him and went to jackpot with him, all his family ropes. They run cows. Um, so yeah, he's, he's cowboy through and through. So
0: very cool. Right on. So let's, uh, we might as well talk about, uh, current events too. Um, I've, uh, I've seen some of your posts and stuff and, and I know that, uh, you can feel like i feel about uh uh this stuff that's going on so let's let's talk about let's talk about when you were heading through the uh uh the uh the roadblocks they had when uh, you were heading home
2: yeah right. no so <laughs> yeah yeah i get I, a lot of people still message me about that but
0: um <laughs> uh, they don't yeah. have the, they don't have those up now do they
2: no they still have them they're supposed to be up till like october
0: no kidding, okay mm-hmm.
2: yeah so Basically, what happened, just so the audience kind of understands what happens, uh, the Pyramid Lake Paiute tribe had a little outbreak of COVID. And the governor, in all of his wisdom, allowed them to shut down one entire section of the state highway that goes around the lake to keep people from using the lake, which I completely understand 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, Because it's shut down, it's on the Indian reservation, they own it. You know, they're trying to protect their people. I, I get it. Right. Um, but the problem I started to have is we started hearing about pe- they were harassing the people that live at big Canyon ranch, which is, you have to drive through the reservation to get to it. Um, and it's just right off of the reservation next to the lake. Uh, they weren't letting them pass when they live out there. And then, uh, my mom boards horses and trains horses and a lot of her clients were getting turned around. They'd come through Fernley to go the back way cause it's shorter than driving all the way through Reno. Right. And they would get turned around at the roadblock. And, um, you know, that's just when it's summertime and it's a hundred degrees outside, that's a long ways to make a horse turn back around in a hot trailer and go back through town, stop and go traffic. And it just, it really irritated me because first of all, it was a state highway that our taxpayers dollars paid for. Right. It's not yes, it's on Indian reservation land, but they don't own the highway. The state does. And the way the permit was written up is that local traffic, um, business and residential could drive through, but it was closed to recreation traffic. So they were kind of overstepping their bounds on it. And me being the rebel that I am, um, I decided that I was going (laughs) to drive through. And I told my mom, I said, I'm going to video the confrontation so that people can see that, you know, you don't have to put up with this stuff because, The way the world is right now that there's so many people stepping on our rights and trampling them i was like somebody has got to stand up and and do something about it so i pulled up to the roadblock videoed the whole thing the guy was like you can't pass and i was like yes i can it's a state highway my tax dollars paid for it and he goes well i'm telling you right now if you drive past they're gonna prosecute prosecute you and i was like fine let them prosecute me i was like i'm driving home i'm not using the lake Period. And I drove through. Nothing happened. Right. And um, anyways, the video went viral on Facebook. And Paiute Tribe hates me now. Oh, Uh, well. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it is what it is. They want me blacklisted from the lake for the rest of my life. And I still get messages from a few of them every now and then about how much they hate me. They actually named me uh, Chief Karen. (laughs) <laughs> uh so, <laughs> i didn't know that you could attain chief status that fast but i'm yeah. now called chief karen so
0: oh my god
2: But uh, luckily it the the video did what it, it was supposed to and now right. they let people through there without harassing them um without even stopping them sometimes if they ain't got a boat on the back of their truck they kind of just let them through so
0: yeah yeah well good for you Good for you, man. I I commend you for that as well. You know, it's like they just opened the gyms up back here again, and uh, it's like if, if I don't, if I don't, and I like to work out in a gym. I need to work out in a gym just because I've got joint damage and stuff, and I and I, you know, I can't just do push ups and pull ups and swing from the trees like you know you can. But uh, so we're in there now, and we've got to have you know uh, our, our our masks on, and it's like it's the stupidest thing. It's just so stupid.
2: Yeah. I don't understand how they're supposed to make people. I mean, they're doing the same thing around here. Um, they want you to wear it in. And then when you get to wherever you're working out, you can take it off. But I'm like, it's it doesn't make any sense at all to walk five feet from the door to where I set my bag down and then take the mask off. And then, like, I've seen some gyms, there's people, they're working out with them on. And I'm like, I don't know how you're doing that, how you're Wait.
0: We have to leave ours on too, and they come around like Gestapo and tell you if it, if your mask is down. They've got people, in and we're in Arizona. I mean, Arizona is one of the most American places left in this country, you yeah. know. And and it's just it's it's like you said, it's to the point now where you know the the silent majority has to speak up mm-hmm. because yeah. it's there's a whole agenda behind it, and that's just my belief. And and mm. uh, you know, I, I know a guy that that got the quote unquote COVID. Um, He's, he's like sixty-five years old. Drinks whiskey like water, and does all other sorts of chemicals. And he had it for like a week and a half. And he said he had like one bad night. And so, uh, anyway, my opinion, my personal opinion, is that it's uh, just another type of virus. Mm-hmm. And but it's been exploited to you know for for uh, ulterior motives. And that's just that's just my opinion. That's what I that's what I think. So anyway,
2: yeah. Well, I agree with you 100% and that's why um, I've been so vocal on Facebook and I try to keep my posts, you know, a, lo- a lot of people post on there and they they get angry when they post and the right. post comes out the wrong way and then a lot of people right. ignore it. So it's why when I post something, I try to make it more positive than anything because people seem to respond to it better. But um, yeah, I'm with you 100% and, and I've just, I felt like um, because it, like you said, the virus has been exploited politically. Um, it's, I, I also feel it's being used for political purposes. Um, I mean, I've seen the data, I've seen the science and I have people ask me all the time. They're like, you know, why do you got to be so stubborn? Why, why won't you wear your mask in the store and stuff like that? And I'm like, look, if I can get away without wearing it in some of these places, I'm not going to wear it because, Number one, I don't think it does anything, and number two, whatever happened to, um, you know, it's it's not my fault, and this is probably gonna make some people mad, but it's not my fault if you made poor health decisions throughout your life <laughs> to where it's com- compromised your health. I shouldn't have to wear a mask to protect you. If if you are unsafe, if you feel unsafe, or you don't like it, or wear a mask, I'm fine with that. Like I don't care. But don't don't judge me and attack me for not wanting to wear a mask. I can't I can't breathe in the dang thing, especially with all the smoke in the air right now. Right. So I just I I feel like we're kind of at that point in our country where everybody is so sucked into social media and the news that the news says, you know. Pat your belly and rub your head and everybody does it. And then they're just it's like. People need to. I almost wish you could just get rid of technology right now because then people are so blinded by it. Yeah. So I just feel like it's going to take more and more of the silent majority just stepping up and you know, kind of maybe leading the way with it.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I agree, hundred percent. Well, once uh, Trump's reelected, a lot of this these problems will go away. So. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Very cool. So, anyway, what else? What else is happening over there in your part of the country? You guys, now you guys run cattle over there too, or or your mom has Uh, a boarding facility, or
2: yeah. So she's got a boarding deal. Um, It's pretty cool because over the last probably shoot, how long has she been doing this now? Probably twelve years or so. Maybe actually longer than that. But um, she's always trained horses and tuned up barrel horses and stuff like that. And then uh, when we moved out to this place we're at now. Um, we got 40 acres, so she was able to board more and train more and, uh, we built a nice arena and everything. And, um, it's pretty cool. Cause she's always shuffling kids through there. Like they come in when they're in junior high or junior rodeo and we kind of get to watch them grow up from there. And, uh, like I do all the roping lessons and stuff like that and tune on the rope horses and everything. And, um, she'll keep their barrel horses tuned up and she has little practices. And then like this year, um, we put on uh, – we call them Raise the Bar because our deal is called Raise the Bar Performance Horses. So she mm-hmm. puts on these little Raise the Bar rodeos, and all the kids come out, and they enter, and they can break away rope and pole band and barrel race and goat tie and all that. And um, um, So that's been – we've been doing that for a little over 12 years. But it's a lot of fun because you get to watch the kids kind of go from – you know, rodeo, as you know, and roping and everything, it's grown so much to just, it's not just people who grew up around horses anymore. It's right a lot of new people coming in. So um, it's really fun for me. Cause like I was just helping the girls rope the other night and these girls have never roped ever. And finally it's like starting to click with them and to watch them rope the calf dummy and just get that nice curl come around the top. Right. Um, it's really fun to watch them go from where they were in junior high or junior rodeo too. then they get to their senior year and you're watching them and they're like qualifying for nationals and stuff like that so um it's a lot of fun it's very rewarding but and then it's just fun to have all the people out there roping all the time you know there's never a shortage of people to run
0: calves in and rope with so yeah very cool so now you you go mostly to California and Oregon. Is that where you do most of your, your equine dentistry work? And, do you, and you do, do you shoe horses at the same time when you're doing that or do you just shoe horses in, in Nevada?
2: So I just, I started out shoeing, like that was kind of my career. And then when I got busier and busier with dentistry, I kind of started to phase that out. So I pretty much just shoe in Nevada since I'm not really allowed to do teeth here. Right. Um, but yeah, um, thankfully with Randy, I had Randy not or had I not started going with Randy to those Charmaine James clinics, right. Um, because of the state of affairs in Nevada with the law and everything, I probably would still be shoeing horses full time and have like a side job or something. Cause right. um, he kind of saved me over there in California and Oregon. I started going with him to Charmaine James clinics and holding for him. And I was just trying to be a better dentist. I wanted to learn more and stuff like that. And, uh, that's kind of when he started referring business to me Um, would have been 2017 is when I started over in California and Oregon Um, him and another pretty well known equine chiropractor uh, just kind of started sending people my way. And um, that was a huge blessing because that really picked my dental career up and, and it just kind of took off from there. Um, So uh, yeah, pretty much just do teeth in California and Oregon, and it's getting busier and busier. Um, I just took up Randy's stuff in Santa Rosa, and I'm going to start working over there here in September. So, um, and it's just kind of since 2017, it's just kind of blossomed from there, just, you know, word of mouth and stuff like that. So,
0: very cool. You know, it's funny, I, I'm going to, I got to, tell this I, I don't know if i talked about it with randy on on the podcast or not when i had him on it took forever to get him on by the way i mean he, <laughs> did, not, he, he did not want to come on i think he, he was scared to death but uh anyway i remember when he was you know really getting going in in the equine dentistry and then he, he had told me at one time you know he's he done a bunch he's done horses all over i mean they've flown him to uh, alaska they've been everywhere the, the racetrack in kentucky and so I guess some Saudi prince wanted to him to come to Dubai. Ah, uh, yeah. Want him to come to Dubai and do these, you know, these royal horses. And 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 Randy goes, he I, he goes, oh, I could think of it. It was, you know, it was like during the time when I, the war was really going on over there in in uh middle east and he goes I, that's all i could think i was going to be over there in the middle of the war <laughs> he goes <laughs> then years later he saw pictures of dubai and, and, I, and i'm like man why didn't you ask somebody you know what i mean oh yeah
2: that's one of my uh. favorite stories with him is when he tells me about that because i'm like <laughs> that's all he could yeah you know worrying about getting shot up or something because i think right. it was right during the gulf war right and uh, <laughs> you know dubai is this beautiful place and and he's he yeah. gone and shoot he'd probably be retired
0: by now if he'd been doing all oh, over there exactly i mean you know you never know what could have came out of that but i just i have to laugh about that that's uh that's the true um dakota cowboy coming out of him right there <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> yeah that's for sure yeah
0: that's funny man
2: he's got a lot of great stories like that
0: Oh yeah, he does well, and we told the one too. Like when he and I were roping in Cottonwood up there at that place in, uh, I think it was '93, and it was literally, man. I mean, it was it was Arizona hot there and beyond. And uh, he said, "I got a remedy for that." And we t- we talked about that on the on on the podcast. But he goes, "Yeah, well, because we we're roping. I mean, just sweating and right into the afternoon, and we rolled into a Seven Eleven or whatever, and he buys Gatorade, salt." pepto-bismol and like and I mean just his eating salt by a handful which is enough to kill you already then chugs a, a Gatorade and chugs a bunch of, uh, of um, pepto-bismol needless to say man we didn't get very far I had to pull over he had to jump in the boar trailer and just like I mean he was so sick it was just like crazy but <laughs> anyway another one of those cowboy cures it'll cure you all right
2: that's for dang sure yeah, he'll,
0: he'll love that we're talking about this again on, on this yeah. podcast when he listens to it. Yeah. Sorry about sorry about that, Randy. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> anyway, man, so we're getting kind of close to the end of our time. You got a favorite brand, of cowboy hat you wear? Or?
2: I, you know, I've always kind of been a resist all guy myself. Um, resist all and then, uh, oh, who's that? I can't think of that. I had a custom. Oh, J.W. Brooks made me a custom one uh, a while back, but. I I seem to always gravitate towards Resistol. I have a Resistol 20x Black Gold hat, and uh, I'm actually looking to uh, get—I think it's the chocolate one or whatever—the 20x. So nice, brown one, yeah, for all my legislative activities.
0: There you go. Yeah.
2: So that the the legislators—it's funny—you you're walking around the—it was awesome in in Carson City. Uh, I brought a mini horse skull with me every day that I went right. And, uh, I'm the only guy in a, in starch jeans, cowboy boots, uh, uh sport blazer, coat. and uh, a sport coat and uh, my black felt hat. And I'm carrying around a mini horse skull. And I had spent so much time there that every time I'd walk through the halls, I mean, it got to where I almost felt like a celebrity. Um uh, <laughs> Because they're like, oh, you're you're like you're the horse dentist guy, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, we hope that bill passes. I mean, lobbyists and legislators, whoever. So, it was awesome. You get you walk in the Capitol with cowboy hat, cowboy boots, and stuff like that. You get noticed pretty quickly.
0: That's very cool. Speaking of boots, you got a favorite brand of boots, or
2: I do actually. The pair I just just got here a little bit ago. Um, they're the Dan Post ostrich boots with the uh it's got like the hybrid sole on it yeah with the rubber in the middle i just i love those boots for calf roping because the sole is thin enough to to get out of the stirrup and not get hung up but it's also durable it's not going to get a hole right in the middle of it so and they're good to to
0: run in are they flexible to run into
2: yeah real flexible yep so super fast very cool yeah
0: and how about cowboy movies you got a favorite cowboy movie or Oh,
2: I would say, uh, the Cowboys has probably been one of my all time favorites with John Wayne. I'm Mm -hmm. a big John Wayne fan. Um, I actually have a DVD box set of all of his old black and white movies. Yeah. Um, love those And any, any Clint Eastwood Western. Those are all great too. Um, when we were kids, we used to watch, uh, Tombstone. a lot, And we got to where we would like, I'd be Virgil Earp because I was the older, (laughs) uh, Yeah, Virgil, I'd be the oldest, and then my brother was Morgan because he was the youngest, and my stepbrother (laughs) was Wyatt, and we'd go out with cap guns and everything else and ride our horses through the sagebrush, and we'd camp out, and we'd cook beans on a fire and everything. (laughs) That's
0: um, so cool.
2: Yeah, so we we loved all those movies growing up. But I'd say all-time favorites, probably definitely The Cowboys.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that movie, that's for sure. No. no.
2: Absolutely, we could use a few more movies like that nowadays.
0: Yeah, we we definitely are. due. that's that's a fact. As mm. Matter of fact, I mean, try I try to think back to what was the most recent you know really good western, and I mean I don't know if it was if it was Three Ten to Yuma or not. I mean, which was a pretty good film mm. uh, with, with Russell Crowe, but other than that, I can't I I can't even think of one. That, well, and, we, and we've got Yellowstone. It's a different type of western, but uh, mm. and, and I've enjoyed the heck out of out of out of Yellowstone.
2: I'm probably one of the few that's only seen, I saw maybe the first few episodes of the first season. And then since then I haven't watched it, but I, I agree. It's a good show. Well, from we, what I've seen. It. but
0: now what you can do is you can binge watch it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And you, you know, yeah. Cause it, cause it, it, man, the, the, the ending here, the other, the other night, the finale of the third season, it, it left us hanging. So <laughs> yeah, I, I hate that. But you know, the other, the other, uh, Western too that was really good and it had Pierce Brosnan in it. It was on I think the AMC channel. It was called The Sun and it was, they only had two seasons and they ended it. But man, that was another super super good Western. I forgot about that. That's another one that, uh, that yeah, that that one people out. could check out. Very very irritating. Had a lot of history in it too about uh, about Texas and the oil and cattle and stuff down there. But uh, anyway, man. Well, Zach, hey, man, it's been a blast talking with you. I mean, we've, I think we've only, we've only, I mean, we've talked, communicated by DMing each other, I think, a few times that we did. And uh, so it was really nice to to be able to talk with you and hear your voice. And what we'll have to do is we'll have to have you back on as as soon as Senator, Governor, or whatever you end up becoming.
2: Yeah, we'll see what happens. (laughs) I mean, I'm not totally against it, but we'll see.
0: Very cool. Well, hey, man, again, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. And then uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely be in touch.
2: Sounds good. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. You, you bet.
1: Every Friday afternoon, the hitch of the trailer. Saddle up old rock, and Ice down a cooler. I drive that old back road till it ends at the rope and pen. We got them rusted out pickups and fancy rigs $20,000 horses. Then there's my own stick. Although we're all the same the minute we ride in to the rope and pen. Of you lie, kick back in the saddle and philosophize. Most of life's problems, yeah, we're gonna solve them down at the rope. And yeah, we don't do it for the money, you yeah, were always broke. Just ask Clint, what do you pay to rope? Now he's lost a dozen wives, half the fingers on his hands, to the rope and pain And it takes a little skill and a little luck. If you can talk smack, if you can back it up. Oh, but we're all friends. No matter who wins, down at the A steers, tell a few more lies Drink another beer And hypothesize Most those life's problems By God we're gonna solve them Down at the Roman pit We'll see y'all again Next weekend Down at the Roman pit Down at the Roman.